Welcome back. Another edition of the Weekend Recap is here. Brian and Sam are with you. And we had a crazy weekend in sports. Not like a a ton across all of sports, but college basketball and the NFL were very entertaining and kept everyone, you know, glued to their phones or TVs to watch and and keep updated. Exactly, yeah. Um, As John Rothstein says, this is March. This is March. College basketball and even the NFL here with uh, Antonio Brown kind of dropping out of the clouds where he'd end up. So Antonio Brown, it was earlier in the week, it was thought that the Bills and the Steelers had a deal. That fell through. There weren't many teams that were looking to take on Antonio Brown, according to the Steelers, and it just Mm -hmm. happened that Oakland was the one that took him. Third and fifth round picks to Pittsburgh for Antonio Brown. He then gets an extension three years, $54.125 million. $30.125 million of that is guaranteed. He did have part of it. He did have three years remaining on his deal. So it's not technically an extension. It's just restructuring of the deal. They gave him more money. And his deal in yeah. Pittsburgh had no guaranteed dollars. Now he's got $30.125 million guaranteed. And this is just very funny because... Like, yes, I understand Mike Mayock wasn't in charge previously when the Khalil Mack trade went down, but they traded Khalil Mack because they weren't willing to spend dollars on a guy. He was Khalil Mack's in his prime. Antonio Brown, I'm not saying he's not in his prime, but he's 31 years old. He's getting closer to the edge while Khalil Mack is still staying very much under the age of 30. I think he's, what, 27 right now? Something like that, yeah, 27, 28. Yeah, so... Three years his minor, they didn't want to pay the essentially the best defensive player in the league. Instead, they'll overpay a wide receiver who, when he's playing and healthy, has great production. Will it continue? Well, it remains to be seen. But this is just a very interesting move from a team that continues to make interesting moves. Yeah, well, like you mentioned, the, that they couldn't find the money to apparently pay Khalil Mack, and uh, for that I'm forever grateful. And they yes. end up with uh, one of the great receivers of the generation, but the guy who can be kind of a head case. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how John Gruden mismanages uh, Antonio Brown, and he ends up getting all angry and wanting out after a year or two anyways. Uh, There's no way those another, two like each other, is there? Oh, not a chance. And the fact that he's excited to end up in Oakland, I think it's the, it's the getting excited about moving west kind of thing that has... Yeah grabbed americans for centuries now but uh another note i wanted to say is it's uh if you haven't already buy some stock in juju smith schuster because he'll uh he'll he's obviously the guy now in pittsburgh and will put up some pretty gaudy numbers i believe the killer bees are no longer it's just big ben (laughs) left there in pittsburgh we'll move on to college basketball there is so much to talk about. Be sure to tune into the B Fox and B Frank show this week. We will break every bit of it down, but for now, we are going to give you a great quick recap of everything. It'll start with the Wild Saturday in the Big East. Wild Card Saturday is what they were calling it, and it sure as hell played out that way. The 19th most likely scenario came true in the Big East. We saw St. John's, Marquette, and Villanova all lose on Saturday. Teams like Seton Hall like Georgetown, they all picked up huge, huge wins when they needed it, 
and now the Big East tournament field is set, and it is as open as ever due to Marquette losing. See, Nall played Villanova early in the day, was able to pick up the win. Marquette was playing or had just started after the fact against Georgetown, was at home to a team that had just lost to DePaul by 30-plus points and had a chance to clinch a share of the Big East title. They lose. Villanova falls ass-backwards into the Big East championship. Three and five in their final eight games. Gets it done for the Wildcats. Yeah, well, both uh, Villanova and Marquette are kind of in a free fall right now. Obviously, you said three and yeah. five Villanova, and then Marquette's lost four straight. And basically, turnovers have been their undoing. They had 22 when they lost against Creighton, another 18, I think, in the game after that. And teams have figured out that they're just basically going to force feed Marcus Howard the ball. And if you can jump in between them and force turnovers, then Marquette kind of doesn't really know what to do, which is weird because they have other scoring options in Sakar Anum and the Housers. Yeah, I talked a lot of shit about Sam Hauser last week, and he shoved it down my throat against Eaton Hall. He scored twenty four. I think twenty. He scored twenty plus in the loss, so I got the last laugh. But it's very interesting to watch this Marquette team because, like I said on the B Fox and B Frank show, Theo John pretty much starts every game with two fouls. He will not play more than six minutes in a first half just because. He makes dumb plays. Like he will be, I think he will be and can be a very good player. But until he gets under control, you know, picked up an early foul against Seton Hall and then made a very easy layup for an and one and screamed "Yeah, bitch" in Mike Enzi's face and got teed up. Like that is a very avoidable thing. You don't have to say that. It wasn't like a dunk on someone. You literally made a layup. <laughs> Avoiding things like that is what Theo John needs to do. Yes, I like the energy and I like the fire from him. But he's hurting his team at this point because they don't really have too many big rebounders. Like, Ed Morrow's there, but he's not consistent enough on the glass. Like, the Housers are tall, but they don't crash. You need other options. And, like, when and when you can't play inside out like that, because Theo John is very much, like, the prototypical 80s Big East big man. Basket, yep. Yeah, he, he would fit so well in that era, but that's not what it is anymore. Yeah, exactly. And kind of going over to a game that I've been dying to talk about is uh, Creighton's 91-78 senior day win over DePaul. To, uh, On the wildest day of the year in the Big East, Creighton yep. may have had the wildest day of any team. Yep, and I'll get into that. They uh, finished 9-9 nine and nine in conference when they were they were 5-9 and nine, uh, four games ago, finished the season on a uh, five-game winning streak. Uh, they were predicted to finish ninth in the Big East preseason poll. They're they've got the fifth seed going in the tournament, but tied for third technically because they're 500 along with everybody else in the Big East. But the big story here is Mitch Ballack. He scored 39 points on 14 shots and went 11 of 12 from three. He missed his 13th, but he was fouled, and then he hit all, all three free throws. <laughs> so that's still 11 of 12. That 91.7% is the best three-point percentage in NCAA history for anybody with 12 or more three-point attempts in a game. And he, of course, blew the, like, just crushed the record, the former Creighton record that Kyle Korver and Ethan Rogge had had uh, with nine threes in a game. T he tied Marcus Howard's 11 threes in a game record uh, that Marcus Howard did last year. You may have heard of him. Yep. Um, and pretty much everything was falling down for him. His, his uh, ninth three hit the rim three or four times, popped up, hit the <laughs> rim again, went down, and then his 10-3 was 
he kind of got the ball with two seconds left in the shot clock and hit a fall away and he could like it was a legitimately like a video game performance or even better than that it, I, I tweeted out that Mitch Ballack was like a cheat code last night and he really was every time Creighton needed a big shot he, he was he, he was up to the task and it was just an absolutely awe-inspiring performance to watch yeah, I mean, first things first, credit to DePaul for keeping this like a relatively close game despite giving up yeah. 39 points to Mitch Ballack. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, and Creighton was up 16 too early, so yeah. they fought back. And then credit to not DePaul, I guess, take credit away from DePaul because they didn't really start face guarding Ballack until like late in the second half. Yeah. It was so weird to watch this guy just keep raining threes and. DePaul do nothing about it for so long. And then when they started face guarding him, he really, I don't think he took a shot when they started face guarding him, but it was too little too late. Like he did not need to do anything offensively. Really. They just needed to pound the ball inside to Crumple. And then that was the game. Yeah. Crumple had 23 and 10 pretty quietly Mm -hmm. air quotes around that because it's his seventh double double of the year. But yeah, Mitch Ballack, five or six of those of his threes would have come from it. NBA range, so he kind of stepped in the gym and was, was hitting everything. So, obviously, wonderful to see for me and uh, and the season on a high note ahead of the uh, matchup with Xavier in the Big East tournament. Yeah, the Big East tournament's going to be great. We've got the best preview on the internet coming Tuesday morning. Uh, so tomorrow morning when you're listening to this, 11 a.m. Let me be frankblog.com. Check it out there. Duke, North Carolina also played this weekend. It's not just the Big East. Carolina <laughs> completes the season sweep. Zion Williamson did not play. Uh, senior day in Chapel Hill. Big day for uh, you know the program, the team. I believe I don't I don't have the stat right in front of me, but I believe the last time that North Carolina swept Duke in the regular season, they went on to win the national championship. So. Pretty pretty good omen. That would have been 2005, maybe, or 2009. I can't remember what year it was. Um, but it was prior to 2010. That's all I know for sure. So yeah. that's a good start. I mean, you can't really get a better omen than that if you're North Carolina. Um, they, they just continue to bully Duke around a little bit, you know. For whatever reason, the Blue Devils cannot seem to get over the hump. Obviously... Zion Williamson is a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of their wins and losses, he's he's a big part of that as well. But Kobe White had an incredible game, 21 points, 3 assists. He's been playing so well, and, and just the the depth they can get off their bench. Do you think he'll be fresh America? Yes. I, I don't know, because there are so <laughs> many good players. It's yep. so hard to figure out. Like He, he should be on, on the first or second team. Will he okay. get it? Maybe. That's all I can say is maybe. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. But big game for the Tar Heels. They clinch the second seed in the ACC tournament. Virginia gets the one. Duke is the three. Um, speaking of conference champs, LSU wins the SEC outright thanks to Tennessee's loss. Yep. Uh, Tennessee lost to Auburn, but Will Wade is currently in limbo right now. He's like suspended <laughs> indefinitely because he may or may not have been on a wiretap talking about offering players. Allegedly. Allegedly offering players like sweet deals or whatever the phrase was that they quoted in all the, the newspapers and articles. But 
there's a lot going on there. Javante Smart was held out of the game. I don't think Naz Reed played either, and they still got the win. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but LSU winning an SEC title outright. Who would have picked that preseason? Well, I don't think anybody. It was Kentucky first off, and then Tennessee, who's been absolutely awesome to watch the entire year. But mm-hmm. uh, in the grand scheme of things, it, it, it won't make much difference, I think, as uh, Tennessee and Kentucky will get further in the tournament. Yeah, so... LSU will be without Will Wade, most likely for the entire SEC tournament. I don't see anything changing at this point, but the real key is will they have star freshman Naz Reed and Javante, star freshman Naz Reed and Javante Smart, because they have both played a huge role in the team's success this season. 16-2 and in SEC play. Absolutely yeah. great year for the Tigers. And then uh, we've got upsets, and then we've got automatic bids. We'll start... Mike Dom will not play in the NCAA tournament in his senior year. The Jackrabbits stunned. And when I say stunned, I literally mean stunned by the (laughs) Western Illinois Leathernecks. This team, I believe in my preview of the Summit League, I wrote that they had no chance to win. Not a little chance. And the whole point of these articles, posts, is to say, that every team has a chance, and this is why they can win it. I wrote, (laughs) I don't have the exact words in front of me right now, but I think I wrote that they have no chance. Yeah, well, and the the only thing I can tell you about Western Illinois basketball is on, like, kind of like a meme that went semi-viral about a guy with his, uh, a Western Illinois player with his girlfriend, I don't know if it was this year or last year, uh, when, like, after a game that they had played against Butler, and Butler had beat him, like, 94 to, like, 40 something <laughs> and that that kind of just goes to show how futile that basketball at western illinois is but yeah those leathernecks are tough apparently so mike dom should have transferred he, sh- he should have he had a chance and he he just didn't take care of it the exact words i wrote is kobe webster is a good player he's one of the few western illinois has he needs to play well he needs to play well over a mike dom level to give the leathernecks a chance to win the automatic bid in this game, Kobe Webster had just 17 points, but it was enough to get the job done. Yeah. So, I, I mean, don't call me Confucius, but <laughs> I was pretty pretty right about that. He led, he led uh, Western Illinois in scoring. There you go. Other upsets, <clears throat> Loyola and Drake, the top two seeds in the Missouri Valley, go down to Northern Iowa and Bradley. Um, we'll get to the winner of that in just a moment, but... As someone who said, watch out for Drake, this was a tough, <laughs> tough one for the Bulldogs. They obviously had a lot of injuries, but yeah, tough game. Well, the, the fact that they were even there to, to like in the first place, they lost their best player early, early in season. Mm-hmm. And I think their second leading scorer was held Freshman, out of the Missouri. Right? Yeah, uh, held out of the Missouri Valley Tournament. Um, but that just kind of goes to show is who would have thought that I'd mentioned Darian DeVries uh on two straight episodes that <laughs> the assistant coach at Creighton is now at Drake, but he he's done an absolutely wonderful job uh, with, with the Bulldogs this year. And the kind of cold take that I shared midway through the season, I think is that my dad asked me, I, I grew up with Drake basketball tournament, uh, Drake basketball season tickets from when I was three to a, about eight to 18 years old, basically since I left for college. And my dad uh, 
texted me this year saying, "Hey, do you want to get any? Do, do you want to get season tickets again?" I said, "Oh, I don't, I don't think they'll be worth it." And <laughs> that just goes goes to goes to show you what I know. <laughs> well, I mean, if you would have waited till next year, it would have been a good move as well because I think Drake's going to be very good again next year. But oh, yeah. we'll move on to the championship: Northern Iowa, Bradley, Bradley with a terrible first half, scoring just 15 points. They get tonied. They get tonied. The lead balloons to 18 early in the second half, and then the Braves come roaring back. They take the lead late, end up on a six-point possession after a foul, a flagrant foul, and then they get the ball back in a bucket, taking the lead and never giving it back. 57-54, the Braves are dancing. Elijah Childs had a huge game. A.J. Green was great for Northern Iowa, but it was just, you could feel the momentum shifting, and it shifted very slowly very slowly in the second half and then finally Bradley just exploded and, and the whole game was different yeah well and the narrative for you and I at least in March basketball was Ali Farouk Manesh hitting that three to beat Kansas yep but more recently you and I blew I think it was like a 12 point lead correct against Texas A&M and then an, an 18 point lead that would have gotten them into the tournament. So there, that that narrative is shifting uh, ever ever so slowly. But it's not good for Ben Jacobson and the Panthers. Yeah, it's, I mean the Valley tournament's always fun. Arch Madness is oh, yeah. one of the best mid-major tournaments around. There's always exciting games. Um, we were essentially on pace for like the biggest blowout in the history of the Missouri Valley Championship, and then got the biggest comeback in the history of the Missouri Valley Championship. So. That was a really fun one. Bradley's going to be a 15 seed. That's my guess. Yeah. I think they'll be a 15, but we'll move on. Ohio Valley, huge game on Saturday night. John Morant versus Dylan Windler from Belmont, and John Morant outlasts the Belmont Bruins. 36 points from Morant in the win. He was explosive. He was great. And now Belmont has to sweat it out. They have a chance at an at-large bid, but I think it's too little too late at this point. Yeah, well, if St. Mary's couldn't make it being 28-5 and the mm-hmm. year that they couldn't get past Villanova, I don't know if Belmont has much of a chance. It's tough because you want to see a guy like Dylan Windler play in the NCAA tournament, but at the same time, you know these teams just aren't going to get the, the shake they deserve. Big South, we've got a first ever, play the alarm, play the alarm, first ever <laughs> bid. First time dancing for the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. There you go. It was a really fun back-and-forward game. This was a true road game to win the conference titles. The Big South gives the top-seed home court advantage, and that was Radford, the Highlanders, who are the defending champs. They pull off the upset. They beat both Campbell and Radford, the two top teams, including the top scorer in the country, to get to the NCAA tournament. Laster was, DJ Laster was incredible in this game. He had 36 points, I believe, in just one of the best championship performances you'll see. Yeah, well, it's called March Madness for a reason. And when Gardner-Webb can can put a run like that together, uh, their uh, most memorable moments will likely not come in the NCAA tournament, but these these conference tournaments. And the fact that it's the very first time that the program's ever been there is uh, is just flat out awesome it's always good to see those stories you know mm-hmm. northwestern was the talk of the town when they finally made the ncaa tournament a couple years back now we've got you know we've got one already there can be more you know 
but Gardner-Webb, congrats to them. And then the last one is the Atlantic Sun. Lipscomb was the heavy favorite coming in uh, to the tournament. Liberty was there. They, they've been playing well all year. You know, they both won 14-2 and two in conference, but I think Lipscomb, with the home court advantage, people felt like they were the favorite. They had Garrison Matthews, who's one of the best players in the league. But it was flopping Scotty James and the Liberty Flames that get it done. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out Twitter. Massive, massive flop by James on a play where if he would have just gone down normally, he got elbowed in the head. He took a huge leap to fall backwards. Mm-hmm. If he falls down normally, he probably gets the flagrant foul, but c'est la vie, they call no flagrant because of embellishment. On the other end, uh, Marbury, I believe was his last name, for Lipscomb, misses two bunnies, and then Scotty James gives him a go-ahead bucket inside a minute, and from there, it was over. Yeah. Well, another first. It's Liberty's first season in the uh, mm-hmm. in the A Sun as well. So it's they it's were actually kind of in the Big South and they lost to Radford last year. <laughs> so we're tying <laughs> it all together. Uh huh. It all comes full circle. Yeah, I mean Liberty is going to be a fun team to watch. I think they're going to be pretty dangerous. They're twenty eight and six, which is a pretty gaudy record. They'll probably probably be a twelve seed, maybe a thirteen. It depends how the rest of these leagues shake out. But I believe, I mean Murray State's going to be a twelve seed for sure. They're going to be dangerous. So that'll be interesting to see who they get put up against, especially with how bad or how much some of these power teams have struggled. But that'll be a fun one. And and Liberty will probably be the other 12, but they're right on the cusp of being a 13. Yeah, well, those 12-5 upsets that are all too common will will, uh, definitely be something to look out for this year as well. There's one stat I forgot to mention that we were were talking about the Big East, but uh, or, or a couple actually, that... Xavier, uh, with their win, mm-hmm. uh, uh, secured their 37th straight conference season in which they were 500 or better, which is the Outstanding. best. Just, uh, just the, the pinnacle of consistency and something that I didn't even know until I read it. And, and just to prove how good the, the league is, or the program has been, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they have yeah. switched leagues a couple of times. Like exactly. making the yeah. jump from the A10 to the Big East cannot be easy, and they did it, and they still continued to play well. Oh, exactly, yeah. And uh, another thing about the Big East is every single team in 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 that in the ten team league went finished five hundred or above overall for, mm-hmm. the, for the for the year, and that hadn't happened since the nineteen ninety four nineteen ninety five season, in which the eight-team Metropolitan Conference. I remember it <laughs> that, fondly. Oh, oh, for sure, yep. That, that, that was before I was even born. But uh, uh, another, I, I was, as we were texting, of course, about it, I, I was trying to hunt down that stack because I couldn't remember what the league was. Right. It was a, a very obscure league, and it's a now-defunct league, which is probably why I had so much trouble. Right. Trouble getting to it, but a uh, shout out to uh, Matt Demarinus of White and Blue Review for Creighton for uh, helping move that one. I, I I googled it and found it out based basically exactly as he had tweeted for me. So uh, <laughs> that that it was kind of it all came together great for that. But uh, another thing about that season that I that I also put in that Twitter thread I had as I was trying to search search uh, for this obscure league is that Cal in that same 1994 1995 season 
was absolutely winless. They went 0-27, 0-18 in the Pac-12. So when, when you get down one of those weird rabbit holes, you never know what you'll find out. Exactly. It's always very interesting to see you know, who the coaches were or whatever was going on in that, that time. But, yeah, I mean, this is March. This is the time to look back <laughs> through all this stuff. And when we, when we get back to you next week, we will have a full field in the NCAA tournament. All the conference championships will be over. The field will be selected. We'll have the NCAA tournament to talk about. I'm fired up just thinking about it. This is going to be the longest week ever, but it's going to be so great. Oh, I, I hope that your seat and hall pirates are pretty safely, and I'd say, but I, I hope that Creighton can win a game or two in the Big East tournament, so they're there as well. Yep, we need it. We need it. That'd be great for the show, great for morale. But Oh, yeah. You can always check us out, letmebefrankblog.com, at LMBF Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and we will see you next week.